When there's a game on, it's impossible for me to do anything else. Growing up in Leavenworth, Kansas, Melissa Etheridge was just as excited as her daddy was when the Kansas City Chiefs won Super Bowl IV in 1970. Fifty years later, the Grammy and Oscar winner was so excited about Patrick Mahomes leading her Chiefs to the Super Bowl, she wrote a song about it. Besides the big Chiefs scarf, Etheridge wore singing the national anthem before the AFC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Patriots. She says she has a large collection of Chiefs gear, including hoodies, hats, sweatpants, and pajamas. The cold was bone chilling as she sang, but she got a big hug from Coach Andy Reid, so it was all worth it. I'm LaChina Robinson. Those sweet, funky sounds you hear are the Budos Band, and this is Huge Fan, the podcast where stars talk sports. Now, please welcome Melissa Etheridge, Kansas City Chiefs, Huge Fan. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on Huge Fan. It's great to have you on with us today. Now, you've talked about your father's affinity for sports. Um, I have a girl dad. Yeah. You know, my dad and I really bonded over the sport of basketball, and I know that he has a lot to do with how your fandom developed around um, the Chiefs. So how much of his love for football rubbed off on you? Oh, it's all that. You know, um, growing up, he was, I, um, he was very athletic. And he even, um, he got a job as a teacher, but he was a coach and he was a football coach first. Then he was a basketball coach in the high school in our town. We had one, um, one high school in Leavenworth, Kansas, and he coached the, the basketball team. And so just as far back as I can remember, you know, even as a, a teeny tiny baby, it was always sports, a lot of basketball, and then sitting uh, in the cold winter days and watching football. And he, I, I have such clear memories about 1970, January 1970, when the Chiefs won the, that, their first Super Bowl. And just what a, how much fun it was and everybody was celebrating and it was just this, this great thing. And that sort of thing lives with you. And, and, you know, then for 50 more years, I waited for it to happen again. <laughs> Not too long, right? Not too long. Yeah, just 50 years. Was there some kind of family tradition with your dad in watching those games or something that, um, you know, he did on, on game day that stood out to you? There was always sports on in our home. And the things I really remember is the baseball games. He was from St. Louis, so we always had Cardinals games on. But he was also a Royals fan. He became a Royals fan because we were, you know, in Kansas and um, had the baseball all summer long. That sound of the uh, of the radio and the games and the announcers. And then in um, in the wintertime, it was, uh, you know, television and it was turning on the, the football games. And the wonderful thing that he did was he explained football to me and just. Every time I'd have a question, you know, why, why is that a flag? Why, why can't that guy do that? What are they doing here? What's, you know, what's offense, what's defense, all this different things. And so the more, you know, the more you understand football, the more fun it is to watch. So then as I graduated high school and then went on, I kind of, in the eighties, I stayed um, 
you know, in touch with him a lot. And then he passed away in 1991. And so the 90s, I kind of, uh, you know, before there was, you know, cable or, or satellite or anything, as I was in California, I rarely got a football game. I'd follow, you know, what they were doing, mm -hmm. but um, I rarely had that. So then when, um, you know, DirecTV came and all of a sudden I could watch my games again wherever I was, it's just, it's, you know, been full on for the last uh, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I think back on those memories, as I mentioned with my dad and, uh, you know, that's kind of like how father daughter relationships sometimes evolve, right? It's around sport. And um, yep. so many of my teammates and, um, you know, women that I played sport with, they go back because, you know, our moms, our grandmothers weren't allowed the opportunity in sport um, like like we were right and so they didn't have the same connection that the male figures in our lives that our dads had so that's always a special relationship that I keep close to me um, as far as your kids are you um, helping them to understand the importance of being a Kansas City Chief fan or, or what <laughs> well they they've known that since the day they were born that uh, you know the Sundays and whatever you know nights they might be playing there's a Chiefs game on they do not, you know, I, I'm there and, and it's, uh, they're, they're very clear. They, um, it's funny. They're, they're, when they were, when they're in school, like I have two that just started high school and they, they're fans. They won't watch every game with me, but once we get into the playoffs and stuff, they'll, they'll join me. Um, but my oldest daughter, she, she kind of, she would watch. And then when she went to high school, she would say, oh, I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And then when she went to college, she really got into it. And now she, she watches it more, you know, at more as a young adult. And, and it's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. But they, they never were, they're not quite as into it as I am. I think they're into it because I'm into it. They're not it. as obsessed as you would like them to be is what I hear and, you saying. <laughs> I want just one of them to just be like, ah, crazy like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still got some time. That's a good thing. I've heard you use that word obsessed before around your fandom for the Chiefs. Um, how would you say that word best describes maybe your um, your love for the team? What what does obsessed really mean? Well, I think it's it's the kind of attention that they get from me when there's a game on it's impossible for me to do anything else. If you're hungry, I'm sorry, you got to fend for yourself. I'm going to be watching this. You can eat what I'm eating or, you know, my management knows not to schedule anything during a game. You know, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. Um, and then just really being, you know, mm -hmm. deeply uh, understand, you know, the positions, you know, when I start getting into the draft and I'm watching the draft and I know who they got and, what's going on and and you just you, there's just so deep you can get into it and it affects me it's fun it's fun in the moment to root for you know everything that they're doing so you it, it feels like obsession but you know it's just a very deep interest and delight in what they do and were there players along the way that really added to um you know your connection to the chiefs we'll get into a little bit of of some of who's there now, obviously, after winning that Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, but yeah. are, are there players that stand out to you as just some of your favorites over the years? 
I mean, the quarterbacks have been okay. I mean, Lenny Dawson was, of course, the first. And I knew that that team from 1970, you know, the uh, Jan Stinnerud and uh, Hank Stram and uh, is the coach and, you know, Bobby Bell on, on defense and just all the those players from the 70s. And then, like, Marcus Allen was probably the next one that I was pretty uh, interested in. And then, um, you know, when uh, – oh, Lordy, the name just went out of my head. He came, he was one of the greatest quarterbacks in the world and he played with us for a season, took us to the playoffs. Uh, uh, he was a 49er first. Was it Joe Montana? Yeah, just that guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then um, once I really started getting back into it, it's been, you know, Jamal Charles, it's been um, Priest Holmes, you know, your defensive guys. Uh, just, 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 just some great, oh, Tony Gonzalez, I'm sorry. Uh, absolutely Hall of Fame, wonderful players that have been on the Chiefs. Now, I've never been to Arrowhead Stadium, but from what I understand, it is extremely loud. In fact, it was named the loudest NFL stadium by the Guinness Book of World Records. I mean, what have your experiences been like there, and how loud is it? Oh, the stadium is spectacular. It's funny because I've been to some pretty fancy stadiums that have all the fancy stuff, and those are fun. Arrowhead, not so fancy, but it's just this gorgeous bowl that um, acoustically, when they all start making their noise, <laughs> it sort of uh, amplifies itself because of the bowl. It, it kind of swirls around in there. And you literally have to like cover your ears for it not to hurt. It is so loud. And the fans are so, so very, uh, it's, it's just like a, it's like an amusement park ride. Everybody gets in there and then they're all in it together. And when they all wear red and they're all noisy like that, mm, you, it, it's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good time. Well, you sang the national anthem, right? In Kansas city a few times, including the 2019 AFC title game, uh, I mean, you, you just described what it's like to be in the stadium, but what was that like to lead your team into battle uh, with the national anthem? I've, I've sung the national anthem twice with them, and they've lost both times, so I'm a little, little uh, shy now to go back in and sing it again. But um, uh -oh. the Super Bowl, I feel like maybe we erased all that. But um, <laughs> the championship game was, for one, freezing cold, and I've lived in California now for 40 years, and I'm not so used to that. So it was really, really cold. But um, just having, you know, the people I grew up with, that, that real sort of Midwestern connection I have, just connecting with it during a championship game. And then when they lost, just making, I, I just walked with everyone, you know, out to, through the parking lot with everyone, just like, <laughs> oh, that was so close. We're going to, you know, next year. Well, that just means you have to keep singing it until you get a win. That's, that's what that's saying to me, right? There you go. <laughs> well, China told me to do that. Okay. That's right. Okay. This is Game Day. Um, all right, we're going to move to our next segment, which is called Game Day. Now, what are your game day superstitions? Ooh, I have to have a, a one of the many T-shirts that I have. I have to be wearing some Chiefs clothing. Um, I don't know if they're superstitions. Uh, I know that both my wife and I, my wife is a Green Bay Packer fan, and I'm Chiefs fan, and, and it, it seems like <laughs> when we stand up and yell at the Something television, good happens, it helps. right? <laughs> so, 
stand up and get that energy and give it to them through the television, it will work. And what is that scene like at your house, like on game day? Like, what are you eating? What are you drinking? How many TVs are on? Like, what, what does that look like? We have one very large television in the, uh, in the TV room. And um, uh, we, we're a big guacamole family, lots of uh, guacamole and chips. That's kind of what we start with. And then, then it's pizza because I can't be bothered to do anything else. So it's a, <laughs> so it's a Fresh Brothers cauliflower pizza. <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, you have more important things to be doing, like watching the game. So no one's cooking. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that killer guac because I heard it's amazing. Want to give us any tips or want to share your recipe? Like, how much are you willing to share with us? Oh, yes. I love share the guacamole. You know, after uh, moving to California and realizing how delightful avocados were, um, my favorite is a very simple, it's very, very simple avocado, a very simple guacamole, because when you start putting like tomatoes and onions and garlic and stuff, you're messing with mm. the guacamole. You need avocado, lots of lime and or lemon and sea salt. Oh. And that's it. You just mash it up and that's it. But it you, you got to get enough lime and lemon to, to get that citrusy, you know, kind of cut that comes through it. And then the salt, sort of like a avocado margarita sort of thing. Well, thanks for sharing that recipe. Keep it simple is what I heard. All right. So you've made your affection for Patrick Mahomes very clear. Besides the fact that he's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league, what is it that draws you to Mahomes? I really appreciate his um, his sensibility. He seems to, uh, when you see a player that's looking in the long run, that's the kind of player you like. It always it always felt like like Peyton Manning, uh, Aaron Rodgers, these these great um, quarterbacks. They're they're not just in it for what can I get for me right here, right now. They're in it. They understand that if they do their best and they, you know, carry themselves as an example, that that can, that can infect the whole, um, the whole team, that they can all sort of rise up to that. And you become a leader without, you know, saying, I am the leader. You, you lead by example. And he, even in his youth, um, really seemed to have that sort of head on his shoulders. And he's, He's very intelligent. He's um, he's a beautiful family man. His wife and his daughter are just, you know, they do so much for Kansas City. He's just a smart young man, and and he's the kind that you can see going a long way. Yeah, I when I watch him, when I listen to him, the thing that just jumps out at me, and you hinted at this, is just like his level of humility he doesn't take himself too seriously as a quarterback he doesn't elevate himself above the team he makes everyone on the team feel valuable and important I mean and this is a pretty young guy right Um, having success at a very early age I mean he could easily let that ego get to him but I am just (laughs) taken back time after time by how humble he is um, and, and just how he gets the bigger picture of, of team and what that championship mentality really looks like. So speaking of him in the Super Bowl, where were you? And, I mean, what did that win feel like for you, for Kansas City, for all of the fans? I got to tell you, it was crazy. I kind of was almost more kind of crazy and out of my mind with the championship game 
the playoff run up to it, they were all so difficult. We came back from, you know, double digits. We were down double digits and all those teams against the Texans and against the Titans. And it was, you know, those, those wore me out. I was just like, and, and so when we finally, finally got into the Super Bowl, that was such a big, big thing. Just finally winning that championship game after 50 years. And, um, so that by the yeah. time we got to the Super Bowl, it was almost like, well, you know, oh, I don't know what's going to happen now. I, I don't know how to act. And it, that wait is so yeah. long between the championship game and the Super Bowl. I knew, I thought, oh, should I have a party? And I was yes. like, no way. I don't want to talk to anybody while I'm watching this. So it's just my wife and I, we sat there, watched it. And of course, once again, it was <laughs> oh, until that third, into that third quarter, it was again bad we were so far behind they were celebrating you know the 49ers were like Ooh, in the end zone and then Mahomes and Tyreek and Andy Reid everybody just turned it up and man did we come back and it was very exciting when it was over then you get that oh yay oh it's over because it's the journey that's so much fun not so much the hey we won and then I mean I'm sure you've had championships where you're like oh, can we do it again? <laughs> yeah, yeah, run it back, right? Because immediately all of that yeah. adrenaline just kind of leaves, right? <laughs> and you're like, wow, we did it. Like, what's yeah. next? Um, I remember watching that game. I was sitting in a restaurant, and I was just like, whoa, this is, this is." Uh, if I'm a fan, I wasn't a fan of either yeah. team, nothing against your Chiefs, but I didn't, just didn't have, yeah. you know, it, it didn't matter to me who won, um, but I was just like, if I'm a fan of either one of these teams, I am going nuts right now. <laughs> like, this is just crazy, all the momentum shifts. Are you someone who doesn't watch the Super Bowl if your team's not in it? No, I watch the Super Bowl all the time. I, I, I don't really care who's in it. I mean, of course, I would like it to be the Chiefs or my wife's Green Bay Packers. But if it's not, um, I just enjoy the, uh, you know, the sport of the Super Bowl. I think it's a, a great experience, and I watch every single one. Okay. Do you have a favorite Super Bowl performer over the years that stands out to you? Ooh. Oh, I thought Prince was amazing a few yes. years ago. I yes. thought Bruce Springsteen was great. I thought Paul McCartney. Uh, let's see. Who else? There's just been some really great ones. And, you know, the uh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. There's been some great stuff. That Prince year... Um, I it was unbelievable because yeah. as soon as he starts singing Purple Rain, the rain starts falling. I'm like, you could not script a better moment in the history of Super Bowl performances. Good luck trying to top that. Really quickly, before we actually get to some conversation about your music, um, how are you feeling about this season and, and your team getting ready to kick off? Well, you know what I love? I love that they have like a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They're like, ooh. We had such a great year, and then that Super Bowl was just ridiculously horrible. So they've got that behind them, which is a great energy to put, you know, behind you. And uh, man, they went out and Brett Beach just uh, drafted and traded, uh, you know, Orlando Brown. You know, get, getting that offensive line because that seemed to be what it was that Patrick was yeah, unable to yeah. do anything because his offensive line just wasn't holding up. And then bringing in a few more uh, cornerbacks for our defense. And it just seems that they've tightened yeah. it up a little bit more. But I really, really feel good about them this year. 
Yeah, i am been listening to all the conversations about all the new quarterbacks coming in, but Patrick Mahomes is definitely one of my favorite as far as, you know, keeping an eye on what he'll do this year. All right, let's talk about your new album, One Way Out, which is out everywhere. I thought the the thing that blew me away about the way this album came together was that you actually got tracks from some albums that you had done previously that were never released, um, that were from a different time in your life, um, you know, a different a journey, if you will, of, of music that you're pulling back into this piece. What was your favorite part of, of making this album? Yeah, I had to, um, I really went back into a time in my life where I wasn't out yet, so some of these songs were uh, a little a little too forward for me, I thought, or or I was I, I wasn't ready to reveal that part of myself. And um, some of the songs were kind of feminist in nature, and and it seems really uh, sweet now, but back then it was kind of intense. I can imagine like just going back because I feel like I'm still on that journey as a woman of becoming, you know, who I am and becoming more comfortable uh, with with my voice. And I can't imagine you going back and reliving kind of the process of, hey, I was a different person now and how that may free people who will hear it and understanding the journey you've been on, who you were, who you are now. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to touch people way beyond just the beautiful music because I did get to hear it and it was awesome. So um, I, I think that's great. And then, you know, the fact that it happened during quarantine, um, you know, I think we were all in a different headspace. We were all kind of going back, I feel like, and looking at our lives. And we had so much time to, say, you know, dig in those old pictures and, and things that we had done previously. Um, so I, I know that, um, you know, that that process, I'm sure, was a, a great part of it. Welcome to Crunch Time. Um, all right, so it's crunch time now. Um, you ready for some rapid-fire questions to finish us off? Let's do it. Let's do it. If you could spike the ball in one opposing player's face, who would it be? Can you spike the ball in, in, in Tom Brady's face? <laughs> one play to win a game, and you make the call. Whose number are you calling to make that play? Oh, it's Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. Your favorite Kansas City Chiefs tradition? Oh, uh, barbecue. Mm. Or maybe it might be the drum in the, at, at the first. I, I, I have yet to, to pound the drum. I want to go. Did you do that at the opening of the game? I want to do that. Choose one. Let's start with tight end. Tony Gonzalez or Travis Kelsey? I'm going to have to pick Travis Kelsey because he took us to the Super Bowl so he, and won the Super Bowl. And I I mean, I love Tony, and that's a great thing to choose from, but I'm going to say Travis. In the running back position, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, or Jamal Charles? Oh, wow. Oh, they're so good. I'm going to pick Priest Holmes. I really dug Priest. He was amazing. Now to your head coach, Marty Schottenheimer, Hank Stram, or Andy Reid? Andy Reid, Andy Reid. His, his heart, he, I've been hugged by him, and there's just nothing like it. So Andy Reid. One word to describe your Kansas City fandom. <sighs> Loyal. I love it. You've been there through the years. 
Well, thank you so, so much for your time and for this interview. That was awesome. I love your energy around the team. I hope I get to meet you sometime, Latana. Thank you. You can find Huge Fan on Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and share so other huge fans can find us. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. That'll do it for this round of Huge Fan, the podcast where stars talk sports. I'm LaChina Robinson. Until next time, keep rooting your guts out. Go Budos Band!